tell me when we're on. Ten seconds ago? Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillah. Wassalatu wassalamu ala rasulillah. Wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man wala. Welcome everybody to the Nothing But Facts live stream that is brought to you by Safina Society, our organization, as Sophia has shown up from her vacation in Morocco after losing her two-cent uh, bead counter. You know that tasbih counter? It's like her child mashed it up. Well, it costs her two cents anyway. You give that stuff out for free and still nobody takes them. So she needs to get a stronger bead counter. And I personally have become a fan of these. And I never was a fan of these little counters that people have got. But this one is strong, right? It's strong. And I know the supplier, by the way. I know the supplier, right? So I'm actually going to go talk to the supplier and get them in mass because people like, they see it and they're like, what is this? And I'm like, it's a, it's, it helps you count your test, your, your afkar, right? And it doesn't click easily. So you don't accidentally click, right? Aslam, by the way, we do not purposely skip anyone's questions unless it was a question asked already or discussed already. In that case, we have to actually go and take the stuff that was not discussed already, right? Doesn't that make sense? So if there was a question that was already answered, okay, there are maybe a thousand viewers who will hear the answer repeated, which is fine. I'm, I'm okay with that. But is that the best route to repeat the same question over? Or is it better to take a new question? So we don't skip anyone's question for the sake of skipping questions like we're just trying to bother people or preferring one person over the other there's none of that right i hate clicks i despise clicks you know what clicks are and you have clicks in uzbekistan it's like where a small group of people they become friends but they make other people feel that they're outsiders or they don't welcome the outsider they're not conscientious of the feelings of someone who's an outsider right all human people, you know, human, humans do this, right? But I hate clicks. And religious groups do clicks all the time, right? Because they have a lot in common and it takes a lot of devotion to do this. You're making a lot of sacrifice. So they feel like we need to stick together and we need to be a core group, which is, I get that. But it should not come at the expense of newcomers. And that's one of the things that uh, in... In, in any field where there's advancement, there are certain things, the people who advance in that terminology or whatever, or in sacrifice, they have in common. Right? And they've been through the wars together. And so when a newer, new person comes along, right, they, there's very easy for them to drop terms and stuff like that, that the uh, uh, you know, newcomers don't understand. Or to have certain private gatherings that are just for them, right? Not accessible to anybody. So I really despise that, and I think it's, it's something totally against the sunnah. Now, there, yeah, there are certain things that are private and personal between, let's say, the Prophet and the Sahaba, but there was no select crew that the Prophet had that was like an exclusive crew. It didn't have that. He didn't, 
He had one teaching for everybody, right? You advance in that teaching, yes, he may explain something to you that was, that was not at the level of somebody else, but everybody could attain to that level. You see what I'm saying? Like everybody had the ability to, to work hard in the deen and attain to that level. So the Prophet ﷺ did share certain things that were just for certain people. But everybody, there was, there was the, the, the highway of the deen is for everybody. And it's up to you to work at it. And everybody who put in a, a solid effort got something special from the Messenger ﷺ. Okay, it's like Sayyidina Omar got a praise. He, yes? Uh, uh, comment. Sorry about that. One of the tenants uh, came knocking. You need my keys, Ryan? Yeah. My keys are in the way. I'm I'm behind you, but here. All right. Let's get going with our topic today because we don't have any clicks. I hate clicks. I despise special crews like. This event is only for so-and-so. We won't talk about it in front of anybody, right? We're going to have our own lingo and our own... I despise this. And I was... It's usually a tool of manipulators. They do that to make you feel... To break you down, to make you feel like trash, right? And then anyone with any self-respect and dignity will leave such a group, okay? But the people who are weak enough, they're weak. There's something in their personality that's lacking, so they, they will accept to be pushed around like that and isolated like that in order to be accepted in the group. Those are the people who fall into cults. They have some weak personality, some hole in themselves that they accept that. They accept that. And I've seen groups like that. And I'm like, yeah, not 100% like that, but enough for me to say, you know what, I'm just going to take the benefit from here and I'm going to bounce. And especially... You know, the, the message, when, you, when you learn to identify it and you realize the Prophet never had anything, none of his inheritors ever did these things. There's a special crew for all of us, a special event for all. Don't, don't talk about it. Afterwards, we'll all go. But make sure nobody knows except for us. Once people do that, in fact, their group gets broken up. So this is the first prologue of today's talk. It has to do with these cliques. Now, um, Tahira. I think wanted her questions answered. We will answer her questions today. We just didn't get to them. There was no skipping anybody on purpose. So just for your information. We got a lot of people here. Nadia, Nadia Z. Holmes. Maybe she's a real estate agent. Okay. Nadia's Holmes. Okay. Asma is here. Matic 27. Sheikh Abdul Magid is here. Aniba is here. Matic Tosif is here. A lot of people are here. Imtiaz. Al-Habashi. Mansoor. Anam. Okay, Ida says so true when people have inside jokes that newcomers don't understand. It's just like uh, you you really have a confidence issue, to be quite honest with you, that you have to make sure people feel that they're on the outside. Okay, today's topic is on the ibad of the Messenger of Allah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And specifically, tahajjud. I'm telling you, I don't understand how anybody has a problem that lasts in your heart if you have the power of tahajjud because Allah is extremely generous and he is most generous in tahajjud of course the generosity of Allah is accessible at all times but sometimes there's a window that is opened in which the obstacles of that generosity are removed 
Okay, Allah's attribute of generosity never changes. It's that we sometimes have obstacles. There are obstacles, and the obstacle of his generosity is that sometimes... Everything okay? Yeah. Speak Dominican now? But, uh, okay. I, I see, like, you saw the shoes when you came up and you thought I'd chill with the girl up here. <laughs> yeah, I was like, you saw those shoes too, right? You're like, what? <laughs> so... The, there are blockages on our hearts at certain times. And in the middle of the night, those blockages are gone. And it's a special time, and that's why a lot of this will talk about the tahajjud of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Haddathana Abu Awanata an Ziyad ibn Ilaqata an al-Mughir ibn Shu'bah radiyallahu anhu qal صلى رسول الله صلى الله عليه وآله وسلم حتى انتفخت قدمه. The Prophet used to pray in tahajjud so much that his ankles would get swollen. Okay. And it was asked, أتتكلف هذا? You carry, you take all this upon yourself. وقد غفر الله لك ما تقدم من ذنبك وما تأخر. And Allah has forgiven. All your sins. Does the Prophet have sins? No. It means Allah has, He has granted you what you wish. Okay? Yeah, there is, there, there is nothing about the Prophet that would require him to seek this forgiveness. Okay? The Prophet said, This is the answer to somebody whose prayer has been answered. I'm telling you, most people will not pray this much when they want something, let alone to be grateful for it. If you want to take the ni'mah of Allah Ta'ala and receive it, without it decreasing from your maqam, not even one iota. In other words, I don't want it to distract me from Allah. I don't want it to be something like, okay, I got this blessing in this life, as opposed to the next life. Some people think that. Oh, I got so much blessing in this life, maybe it's going to cost me in the next life. If you, don't, if you want to avoid that 100%, then make your shukr. For the ni'mah, as strong as your prayer for it. Right? Make your gratitude for it. And shukr for the ni'mah is not just in ibadah, but it's also in the action that you have in it. So for example, people, let's say, pray for a job. Okay, you get the job. Now there's going to be hardships in that job. Every blessing of Allah has a, a thorny underbelly. right? Every blessing in this world has a thorny underbelly. This is not paradise. So that means you have to have sabr with that. Underbelly. You have to have sabr with that uh, hardship that comes with it. Or else it's kufr of the ni'mah. You have to share it for others. Right? With others, I mean. So, أَفَلَا أَكُونُ عَبْدًا شَكُورًا The famous statement of the message. Should I not be grateful for this? And we should ask ourselves, if you don't want your ni'mah to take away from your akhirah, okay, so that it not be said that, oh, he got his reward in this life then make your gratitude for the ni'mah greater than your request for it. And if you could do that, then you'll have the blessing in this life and the next. And that's amazing, because it is possible. The Prophet ﷺ had a battle, and the Sahaba were with the Prophet, peace be upon him. After the battle, they said, so-and-so, he had many kills and he did an amazing job. They praised him so much, Okay, that some Sahabi said, too bad he got his praise in this life. And that means he won't get it in the next life. 
The Messenger وسلم, said, and who said that? He will get it in this life and the next life. So you should not think Allah is stingy. Why do people think Allah is stingy? As if, oh, can only have it two places. No, that's because we're stingy. Okay. If you had the keys to the warehouse of Allah's mercy, you would be tight-fisted with it out of fear of giving out. Because we are fanny. We are finite creatures. Instilled in us is that everything will have an end, right? It's built in us. You can never change it unless through serious iman and training. And so everything that we look at, we have to ration it out. We don't believe that it, we, we do believe that it has an end, and that's the problem. We have to change that with religious practice and belief and iman, all right? To change that, create generosity. And that's why the religious societies, the, the measure of their true faith is their generosity. Do you believe things have an end? We would hold to that warehouse of mercy and, and give out very stingily. But Allah Ta'ala, if He's going to give you eternity, you think He won't give you 20 extra years of dunya? Think about that. Like, if you believe that Allah can give eternity of paradise, well, what is 20 extra years of blessings in this life for Him? It's nothing. Why are you stingy with it? So if you, don't want, to, if you want to believe in Allah's mercy, the best way to do it is to be generous yourself. If you want to strengthen your faith that Allah is generous, the best way to do it is be generous yourself. Then Allah, that, that it, it will reinforce for you that there's no end. Okay. It's so easy to say until someone asks you for money. Right? It's so easy to be generous. Okay, if someone's asking you for money and you're like, uh, is it really a right cause? It is, is it okay? Do we have the finances? That's the test. The next, the, he gives you three narrations of أَفَلَا أَكُونُ abdan shakura. He gives three narrations. Okay. Of should I not be a grateful servant? If you want the ni'mah never to end, then continue to be grateful. Al Aswad ibn Yazid said, I asked Sayyidah Aisha radiallahu anha about the salah of the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in the middle of the night. She said, Kana yanamu awwal al layl. He used to always sleep in the beginning of the night because Allah created the night for sleep and the best sleep that will heal your mind and your body is in the beginning of the night. But when it was from Sahar, فَإِذَا كَانَ مِنَ السَّحَرِ that the last portion of the night came around, that's called the Sahar, أَوْتَرَ He got up to pray with her. Then he would come to his bed again if he needed something. In other words, if he wanted to, be, to sleep again or to rest again or something from his family. فَإِذَا سَمِعَ الْأَذَانَ وَثَبَ Then if he got, heard the adhan, he woke up. Okay? If he had to make ghusl, he put water upon himself. Right? And if not, then he just made wudu. Remember, there were two adhans in the time of the Prophet, and in Medina, there's still two adhans. There's the adhan of tahajjud. Okay? And we should set that alarm in our homes, too. The adhan of tahajjud. In other words, that adhan should be about 30, 40 minutes Maybe 30 minutes before, 40 minutes before Fajr, right? And it's not a great habit, but if you have a trouble getting up for Tahajjud, drink a, 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 little, a, a little bit, a decent amount before you sleep. It's not a great habit, 
for your body physically, but it does it does wake you up because your bladder will wake you up. Okay. All right. It, it, the bladder, your bladder will wake you up. But that's that's uh, a habit that they have also in the um, desert climates was to get up into Hajjud because they get up in in all the time that's cool, okay, where the time is cool. So they actually do the revision of the Quran before Fajr. They would recite to the shiuch. Tahajjud is a time where prayers are answered guaranteed. So how do we have any issues in life if we have this great meeting, this great time to meet with Allah Ta'ala directly without any... There are no, nothing can be a barrier before Allah, but we can have a barrier before ourselves, in front of ourselves. The next hadith says, حَدَّثَنَا قُتَيْبَ بْنِ سَعِيدٍ عَنْ مَارِكِ بْنِ أَنَسِ وَنُّو سَنَدْ حَدَّثَنَا إِسْحَاقِ بْنِ مُوسَى الْأَنْصَارِ حَدَّثَنَا مَعًا عَنْ مَارِكٍ عَنْ مَخْرَمَةٍ إِبْنِ سُلَيْمَانٍ عَنْ كُرَيْبٍ عَنْ إِبْنِ عَبَّاسٍ أَنَّهُ أَخْبَرَهُ أَنَّهُ بَاتَ عِنْدَ مَيْمُونَ وَهِيَ خَالَتُهُ His, the, the, Sayyidina Ibn Abbas was the cousin of the Prophet He was also the nephew of Maymuna. Maymuna married the Prophet, peace be upon him. And um, that makes the Ibn Abbas able to spend the night with the Prophet because the wife of the Prophet would not have to wear hijab in front of him. So he narrates what happened. فَاتَّجَعْتُ فِي عَرْضِ الْوِسَادَةِ so the Prophet slept, Maymuna slept, and Ummul Mu'mineen, and Ibn Abbas slept at the uh, horizontal, at the edge of the bed. Okay, like a sleepover, basically. وَالطَّجَعَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَآلِهِ وَسَلَّمَ فِي طُولِهَا فَنَامَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَآلِهِ وَسَلَّمَ The Prophet slept, حَتَّى إِذَا انْتَصَفَ اللَّيْلِ until the middle of the night. أَوْ قَبْلَهُ بِقَلِيلٍ So in this time. The Prophet got up in the middle of the night, not at the end of the night. Okay? You're not going to have one system because there's different situations. So sometimes before Fajr, sometimes in the middle of the night. Okay. The first thing that he did was wipe the sleep from his face. And recited the last ten of Ali Imran. The last ten ayat of Ali Imran, in which Sayyidina Ja'far al-Sadiq said, in them is istijabat du'a if you recite them and then you make a du'a. And the shorthand of it is to begin your du'a with Ya Rabbana or with Rabbana five times. Rabbana five times. Because in that last ten ayahs, okay, and when is he reading it? In the time of Ijabat du'a. Right? It's not the last portion of the night time of Ijabat du'a. Right? So the answering of prayers. So Rabbana five times said it Jafar al-Sadiq when you make du'a. Because in those uh, ayahs, there's Rabbana and a dua, Rabbana and a dua, five times, and then Allah says, and we answered them. Okay. And he made wudu from a skin that was, t- that was there, and he made wudu. Then he got up and he made salah. And the Prophet ﷺ, first thing he used to do, and maybe it's not mentioned in this, but it's mentioned in others, is use the miswak. The miswak is one of those symbols of piety, right? It's just, it's like the paraphernalia of, of the muttaqin from the time of the prophets. All the prophets had the miswak, right? 
Oh, from the time of the Prophet, all the... Well, why the Miswak and not like the toothbrush or something like that? Well, Allah Ta'ala likes something to be for everybody, right? Not all times, places, and eras had access in the past to manufacturing, okay? Secondly, what Allah creates from the earth, not everything natural is good for you, but natural things tend to, to have what we need. So if prophets are using Miswak, which is a, it's a, a branch or the root of a tree, twig, essentially, of certain trees, there are properties, that's like a naturally made toothbrush. There's properties there that benefit us, okay? And you probably could look at the different studies where uh, people studied the miswek, and they studied that uh, it has properties in it that benefit us, okay? Because, you think about it, the creator's one, right? There's one creator. He created us, and he knew that we were going to clear our teeth. So he provided a simple toothbrush for everybody and that's the beauty we understand the creator is that certain things as i said before like general maladies have general remedies like basic habits of life you you need to brush your teeth the creator will have created for you something out there that's cheap and easy right it's just literally twigs off a tree it's not a very simple thing in life will not require heavy manufacturing and everything now when we talk about teeth and dental work there was an amazing study that i've talked about before that when the human being was had not had a lot of manufactured products we didn't need a lot of dental care this guy went to the aboriginals in brazil and he studied them all right he studied the aboriginals and he noted in his photographs that their teeth were straight everyone's teeth were straight right so we realize like it's just our teeth are messed up because of what we've manufactured now does that mean we shouldn't manufacture no i don't think so but because we manufactured as we've manufactured what destroys teeth allah has opened the doors to what fixes them so we have to go to dentists now the worst cultures are those who have access to the manufactured sugars and foods but they don't have access to dental care that's why you go to places, uh, poor places, where there's sugar, but there's no dental care. Their teeth are all, everyone's teeth are messed up. And you think to yourself, wow, pre-modern people before dental care all had teeth messed up? No. It's only the people who have that window where they have the sugars and the foods that we eat today, but they don't have dental care. Previous to that, they didn't have manufactured foods nor dental care, right? They didn't need the dental care. Of course, I'm sure that there were exceptions to that. But he said, by and large, vision and teeth were very good amongst the aboriginals. Okay. Uh, how do you use the miswak without making smell? You, well, you do clean the miswak in water, right? You can clean the miswak in water. So, right. so the Messenger وسلم, used to use the miswak. And Abdullah bin Abbas says, so I stood next to him, so the Prophet stood next to me, and he put his right uh, hand on my head, and then he took my ears and he rubbed my ear. So that was to show his affection to him, also maybe to wake him up a little bit. But to show his affection, he uh, sort of touched the ear of Ibn Abbas. Then he prayed. The Prophet said he prayed. Two rakas, followed by 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 two rakas. That's 12 total rakas. Okay? And then he prayed witr which is one raka, which is the strongest sunnah mu'akkadah. 
Then he rested again until the Adhan. Then he prayed two light rakahs. Then he went out for his subh. Subh is the name for Salat al-Fajr. Okay. If you want to know why some people call it Subh, Subh is the name for Salat al-Fajr. Uh, and that's how the Prophet ﷺ used to use it. Okay. Um, we will mention Pakistan, by the way, because the flooding there is a serious issue. Okay, so we're not ignoring that. I mean, there's not much for us to say except to, to recommend people to donate to to the various uh, you know the causes that are collecting. So so nobody thinks we're just uh, continuing on obliviously to the reality of what's happening. وعن أبي حمزة عن ابن عباس قال كان النبي صلى الله عليه وآله وسلم يصلي من الليل ثلاثة عشرة ركعة. They're same thing. Six sets of two. That's twelve plus witr is one. Okay, thirteen rakas. Now, what is the opinion on this? All of this is nafila. All of tahajjud is nafila. So whether you pray two or three or four or eight or ten or thirteen or twelve or you, whatever even number, then you pray one witr. Okay. كان النبي صلى الله عليه وآله وسلم إذا لم يصلي بالليل if he didn't pray at night, in other words, sleep stopped him, or he was, it was from traveling, they were extremely tired, and he never managed to pray, then he prayed those rak'ahs, 12 rak'ahs, in the day, as duha. Okay? Abdul Niyaz is asking, Abd Niyaz is asking, what does the word nafila mean? It means it's an extra act of ibadah, that does not that the Prophet وسلم, uh, has done it, okay, in private, and there was no set structure, set number around it. So the Sunnah Mu'akkada is that the Prophet وسلم, did it in public regularly, but there is no indicator that's an obligation. The Sunnah, without the word Mu'akkada, Mu'akkada is confirmed is a term that refers to something the Prophet ﷺ did sometimes, and there's no indication of obligation. He did it in public. Nafila is usually that which is done in private, and there is, it's a general command from the Qur'an, a general command from the Prophet ﷺ. So when we say nafila, there's fl- flexibility on nafila. For example, witr, it's, there's a way to do it, right? There's a way to do witr. Eid, it's a way to do it. So these are sunnah mu'akkada. Nafila, it's open-ended. We pray two rakas, you pray ten rakas, you pray fifty rakas. It's your choice. That's the word, the meaning of the word nafila. And that's why you see the narrations about the prophets in the are always different. Twelve rakas, eight rakas, etc. Different narrations because he did it differently himself. إِذَا قَامَ أَحَدُكُمْ said the Messenger مِنَ اللَّيْلِ from the night فَلْيَفْتَتِحْ صَلَاتَهُ بِرَكْعَتَيْنِ خَفِيفَتَيْنِ open begin your salah with two light rakas right two light rakas and then you can pray after that what you wish to pray then he said أن عبد الله بن قيس ابن مخرم أخبره عن زيد بن خالد الجهني أنه قال 
لَأَرْمُقَنَّ صَلَاةَ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَآلِهِ وَسَلَّمُ I'm going to monitor the prayer of the messenger, peace be I'm going to see it myself, okay? I'm going to see the prayer of the Prophet, peace be upon him, myself. Let's see how we translate لَأَرْمُقَنَّ Hanafis, Aslam pray their witr as three, I believe. I don't think they pray it as one. Can they pray it as one, right? Do you ever come upon that? <clears throat> Can You can't do one. Is one witr? No, all three at once. I once decided that today I will closely study the Salah of the Prophet, peace be upon him. So what did he do? He laid down, فَتَوَسَّتُ عَتَبَتَهُ أَوْ فُسْطَاتَ I slept outside his house. Okay. Then, because the homes did not always have roofs at that time. So he's able to see. That's how uh, Tarawih was established too, right? Tarawih was established because the Sahaba could see and hear. If like the Prophet's head was up, they could see that, they could hear these things. Okay. So then he prayed two light rakas. Then two long rakas. Okay? Then, so that's, the third set of rakas was long but less. The next set of rakas was long but less. The next set of rakas was less than that. Okay? And then the next set of rakas was less than that. That's six. Times twelve. Uh, times two is twelve. Then with thirteen. 13 rakas. Okay. So the, this is the tahajjud of the Prophet wasallam, and this is where we get this belief or this hadith that 12 rakas of tahajjud gives you a palace in paradise. And for the Hanafites, it's the 12 rakas that surround the obligatory prayers. Two before Fajr, four before Dhuhr, uh, four, two after Dhuhr, six after Maghrib. Two after Aisha. Add that up. And then add that up and you get 12. Right? Two plus four, six. Okay. Seven, eight, nine, ten. And two after Aisha. Right? Two after Maghrib. Oh, two after Maghrib, not six. Two after Maghrib. Two after Aisha. Okay. And then four before Dhuhr. Two after Dhuhr. Two before Fetch. That's 12. That's for the Hanafi. Uh, that's their understanding of the Hadith. In the, the Maliki, I understand that this to be 12 rakas of tahajjud. Okay. Now let's see another Hadith. كَيْفَ كَانَتْ صَلَاةُ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَآلِهِ وَسَلَّمَ فِي رَمَضَانِ Who asked Sayyidah Aisha this question? Abi Salama ibn Abdul Rahman. He's the one who asked her, how did the Prophet pray in Ramadan? What's tarawih like? You see, remember yesterday we said that how in the early Islamic period, some things that we think is like known was being asked. Okay? Because the dissemination of the knowledge hadn't fully occurred yet. It was established, in other words, that it was established in front of a large group that nobody could make something up about it. Okay? But there was a larger group that had come into Islam. So imagine you publicize your practice in front of 10,000 people 
for 15 years, right? For 10 years, let's say. How many people lived in Medina? Let's just say, hypothetically, the city of Medina had 7,000 people in it. And the Prophet lived and worshipped and recited the Qur'an and worshipped Allah publicly for 10 years in front of 7,000 people. Coming and going with different levels of intensity, coming to the Prophet. But you can't, it's, it's, it's public. Then that 7,000 slowly starts to grow and then very quickly grows to 100,000, right? Now you have like 90,000 people who are learning Islam from the 7,000 people. So when they're asking very basic questions, that does not mean that the the knowledge has not been established. No, it's established with the 7,000. Fully established. And amongst those 7,000, let's say there was a ta'ifa. The Quran, like Surah Al-Muzzammil, mentions a ta'ifa, which is around 1,000 people who are experts 1,000 people are experts at the Prophet's Sunnah and about, on, on Islam and Sharia and Quran. So that means that with 1,000 people as experts, no, nobody could spread a lie. It would be exposed. Yet at the same time, all these newcomers are asking very basic questions. What is the salah of the Prophet in Ramadan? All right. So that's how we understand this concept and idea that the, the, the knowledge was established firmly in a public way, in front of hundreds if, and thousands of people, in a way that could not allow for lies or alterations. Yet at the same time, more people than that are unaware of this knowledge and are learning it from scratch. So that's how we have this tabi'i asking about Ramadan. And sometimes there's sahaba, by the way. Now, Sahabi comes, meets the Prophet once in the Hajj of Wada'. He's not taking a course here. He's learning a few things. He doesn't know a lot of things. He's going to learn the bulk of his religion after the time of the Prophet. Being a Sahabi is not like getting a download, right? A download of all the knowledge of Islam just because I met the Prophet once. No, he did take something else which was spiritual in its nature by his meeting of the Prophet, peace be upon him. But that light has to grow by him learning from the Sahaba. Most of the hadith of Abu Huraira comes from his seeking knowledge after the passing of the Messenger, peace be upon him, asking Abu Bakr and Umar and Uthman and many of these other uh, sahaba about hadith. He didn't take all that he narrates, did not come from his three years with the Messenger, peace be upon him. Many people ask and wonder, oh, oh, how did Abu Huraira get all those hadiths in three years? Must be a lie. No, it's not. You don't understand how humans work. Yes, he took a lot from the Prophet during his lifetime, but he took the bulk of the hadith from the Sahaba afterwards. And at that time, there was no lying in hadith or religion, so he didn't need to cite his source. Ibn Sirin, I believe it was, said that nobody needed to cite sources until after the assassination of Uthman. Once that happened, there was no trust anymore. There were liars in the, in the, in the house, in the ummah. They lied about. They would lie about the deen. We wouldn't trust them. So therefore, after that, we would say, name your source. That's why Sayyidina Abu Huraira, he narrates these hadiths. Right? He's just not citing the Sahabi. And he's not lying. He's not saying, Sami'atu. He's not saying, I heard the Prophet say. The Prophet told me. He's not lying. He's telling you, just saying the Prophet said. Okay. So that's how we understand this. They're cooking downstairs again, by the way.
then I think they're cooking like khanzir or something uh, oily and meaty. Right, Ryan? Alhamdulillah, that sniff it, smelling khanzir doesn't like... I think it's khanzir. Or it's something greasy. مَا كَانَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَآلِهِ وَسَلَّمُ لِيَزِيدَ فِي رَمَضَانَ وَلَا فِي غَيْرِهِ عَلَى إِحْدَى عَشْرَةَ رَكَعَةَ Okay. This is another question. She says the Prophet never used to increase, neither before Ramadan or outside Ramadan or inside Ramadan, more than 11 rakas. That's 8 rakas plus shafa and witr. But we just saw Ibn Abbas cited. And we just saw the other citation, okay, that he prayed 12 rakas, and which, that's 13. Sayyidah Aisha is narrating for what she saw, okay? She saw something different, okay? So the negation here applies for what she saw. If not, best saw something else, okay? Zayd ibn Khalid al-Juhani, the hadith of Zayd ibn Khalid al-Juhani said more. Right? So that's what she saw. لا تسأل عن حسنهن وطولهن Okay? He used to pray four rak'ahs. Don't ask about how beautiful they were, how long they were. Then f- four more, as if he would take a break between the four. Like rest for a few minutes or a minute, but not connecting the four. Maybe this is where the Ahnaf get the idea of connecting the four, praying four at a time. Because if you go to the Tarawih in a Hanafi mosque, like say a Turkish mosque, they will pray four at a time. Okay? And I went there not learning, and I got a little bit of a surprise. The Tarawih of the, of, in the Turkish Hanafi mosques, it's four by four by four by four. They do this five times for 20 rakas. And they recite the small surahs. They don't recite a khitam. Okay. Qalat Aisha radiyallahu anha. Qultu ya Rasulullah atanamu qabla an tutir. Do you sleep before you pray with? Faqala ya Aisha inna aynayya tanamani wa la yanamu qalbihi. So he rested before praying with her. She said, will you fall asleep? And before you pray with he said, my eyes sleep, but my heart does not sleep. And this is why we had mentioned before, prophets do not learn, uh, do not uh, lose their wudu by sleep. Okay. Next, at the Messenger of Allah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, كَانَ يُصَلِّي مِنَ اللَّيْلِ إِحْدَى عَشْرَةَ رَكْعَةً يُوتِرُ مِنْهَا بِوَاحِدَةً That's 11 rakas. فَإِذَا فَرَغَ مِنْهَا الطَّجْعَ عَلَى شِقِّهِ الْأَيْمَنِ So, again, because this is nafila, various numbers of rakas can be prayed. There is no minimum or maximum. And that is our ruling for tarawih as well. Although the masajid... It is clearly stated in the books, should follow what the Sahaba did or what Umar ibn Abdul Aziz did, which was established 20 or 36 rakas. But tarawih in itself is any number of rakas. 
it's there's there's no limit. What is twenty is what the masajid should establish. Okay. And from Ibn Ibn Abi Umar, hadathana ma'an an Malik an Ibn Shihab is Zuhri. Something a hadith just like this, and also Qutayba from Malik from Ibn Shihab is Zuhri like that same hadith. From Amash, from Ibrahim, from Aswad, from Aisha radiallahu anha, qalat, kana Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sallam yusalli min al-layli tisa rakat. Nine rakas. So that means eight rakas and one witr. Okay. Muhammad says, I once heard a scholar say that in Jamia al-Hanabila in Damascus, they used to read al-Fatiha, then recite al-Rahman, i.e. the very first surah of uh, verse the very first verse of surah ar-rahman for every rak'ah fatiha ar-rahman then make ruku'ah subhan i i have i have uh, sophia uh, has a started but you can sneak one in uh, i have prayed a tarawih with uh, syrians in which they prayed i think the entire tarawih with uh, with one surah the surah had about 20, 22 ayahs in it. And it would be uh, one verse and then uh, ruku'ah. Okay. Next. Remember, this is the how of tarawih. This is not about, the, we have not yet spoken on the secrets of tarawih. Secrets of tarawih really have no limit. You can't, how do you speak of them? So many uh, sorry, we're talking about uh, tahajjud. The spiritual benefits of tahajjud, the stories of how people's issues have been solved, okay, and how people's dreams have been granted of dua. Tahajjud, you just you would wish every morning you can't just look forward to the night, and you would hate for yourself to stay up late and miss tahajjud or be groggy during tahajjud. Ahmad Ali, the pharmacist, tafadr. Sit and join us if you want. Okay, so you can speak. Anyone here need uh, anything from the pharmacy? We got someone we could supply for you. Haddathana Shu'aba an Amr ibn Murra an Abi Hamza. Rajulim min al Ansar. An Rajulim min Bani Abs. A man from Bani Abs. An Hudayfa ibn al Yaman. أنه صلى مع النبي صلى الله عليه وآله وسلم من الليل قال فلما دخل في الصلاة قال الله أكبر ذو الملكوت والجبروت والكبرياء والعظمة He praised Allah by saying Allah Akbar He is of the malakut so Let's see how they translate the malakut It's one of the realms The unseen There's al-mulk wal-malakut Al-Mulk is of this world, Al-Malakut is of the next world. Al-Mulk, uh, Al-Malakut, he just says dominion. But um, this is the Mulk, and the heavenly realms is called the Malakut. And then there's Jabarut and Lahut, other realms that are of the Ghayb. That's why it says, Wal-Malakut, Wal-Jabarut. Okay. Well, kibriya, what is the kibr of Allah Ta'ala? We are not, kibr is arrogance, raising yourself up, right? 
So why is it forbid? It's such a bad thing. Kibr is one of the worst things. So much so, if you have one iota of it, you can't enter paradise. But then Allah calls himself Al-Mutakabbir. And he's, the Prophet says here, Al-Kibriya. So how is it that Allah has Kibr? First of all, Kibr is to elevate yourself so that you are seen by everybody. Okay? And viewed as the best. Superior to them. So we are not allowed to have it because it is not rightful for us. Why? Because we are not different from the creation. We are creation. And we can't help them. We can help them in a small way. But we cannot be an absolute help to them. So there's no reason. The reason you elevate yourself, you elevate the source of help. Exit signs are elevated. Okay? A judge sits elevated. When a king speaks, or any khatib, he stands up so he can be seen. Okay? That's in the moment that you could help someone. When are you allowed to distinguish your dress, your clothes? When you're in a position that could help people. So a doctor only could wear a white lab coat. A cop only could wear the blue shirt. Right? Dressed like a cop. Otherwise, it's a crime. You walk around impersonating a doctor, right, and giving out medical advice, you can get arrested. Right? In the old days, the muftis, who were by the order of the, the, the system that they had, whatever the system was, of scholars can give fatwa. He dressed differently. He had a bigger turban and you were not allowed to. In Fez, only the scholars with ijazah to speak on the deen could wear the eight wrapped fatwa. Anyone else could wear four or less. So a common man could wear a turban, one or two wraps, that's it. Three, students of knowledge, four. No one could pass four. Why? So that common people don't go up to other ignorant people and ask for fatwa. To separate. Just like a lab coat almost. Okay? So only in that respect, in that position, you're allowed to distinguish yourself. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is truly the only one who is to, to be asked for help at all time and he is above his creation. So he deserves this kibriya. Okay? That's his right. And what is the, how does the kibriya of Allah Ta'ala manifest. It manifests by us remembering Him at every single time we do something. You want to eat? Remember Allah. You go to the bathroom? Remember Allah. Leave the bathroom? Remember Allah. Sleep? Remember Allah. Is this not kibriya? Right? Is this not kibr? Now if, if someone came and said, listen, every, every time I want you you come, you have to go ask me permission. You come in home, you first talk to me. You go, you leave, you, you talk to me first. This is like, it's an excess, right? Because we don't know human deserves that. What else is the kibriya of Allah? It's not the adhan type of kibriya from Allah. The adhan is a manifestation of his kibriya, that his name is announced everywhere. And in the old days, no buildings was allowed to be bigger than the masajid. In Mecca, no building was allowed to ever be higher than the Kaaba. Now the Kaaba is the smallest building because of these munafiks. If you ask me, oh, how, how are the people going to do it? If you ask me how it, what I've done, I would tell you how to do it. Okay? You level everything within, I would say, between a quarter and a half mile. Between a quarter and a half mile around Mecca. You, around the Kaaba. You bring everything low. Then you build as much as you want and you build passageways. Okay? Like, route. Like almost like um, the spokes of a bicycle. 
And that all stops like a decent amount before the Kaaba, so that everyone has to walk. So that, but the Kaaba would be viewed, even the, 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 the wall around the masjid would have many openings. This Kaaba can be seen from far away, and all those walls would be short, right? Now they ask, well, what about the Tawaf? You need a second level, third level, fourth level. Fine, we could do that, right? The, the door, the first level, would have many openings so that you could see through it. But everyone would have to walk for a decent amount of time and there would be handicapped, you know, for the people who have to go on wheels, right? And little, you know, like trams that could deliver the people. And then, so, but when you take an aerial shot, you see the Kaaba isolated, isolated on white, for a big space. And then you have all your traffic and all that other stuff. Okay? Make sense? If you get up for Tahajjud early, is it possible to go back to sleep before Fajr? Yes. Tahajjud does not require you to, um, to stay up until Fajr. You can sleep. So let's say someone gets up at 3.30. They could pray their tahajjud at that point. Sleep again. Wake up at 5.30 for fetch. Okay. So the Prophet used to say, and what in the Maliki fiqh, uh, these adhkar are permitted for you to say in the nawafid, but not in the farida. Farida, it's Allahu Akbar, alhamdulillah, rabbil alameen. All of these adhkar, you may say them in the uh, nafila. Allahu Akbar ذو الملكوت والجبروت والكبرياء والعظمة ثم قرأ البقرة ثم ركع فكان ركوعه نحوا من قيامه He recited all of al-Baqarah in one rak'ah and his ruku' was almost as long as his qiyam and he used to say Subhan Rabbi al-Azim Subhan Rabbi al-Azim How do we know what he used to say in the silent prayers? Because sometimes the Prophet would say the silent prayers a portion of it audibly so that people could learn what he was saying. Okay? You see that? He used to, he used to recite something even in sujood, audibly for a moment so people know what he said. All right? And he used to say, in ruku'a, li rabbi alhamd, li rabbi alhamd. And his sujood was as long as his qiyam. And he would say, Subhan Rabbi Al-A'la, Subhan Rabbi Al-A'la. And then he would rise up okay, and make another long sujood. And between the two sujood, he used to say, Rabbi Ghfirli, Rabbi Ghfirli. And then the next rakah, uh, throughout the other tah- rakahs of his tahajjud, he recited all of Ali Imran, all of Nisa, all of Ma'idah, all of An'am. Okay, Baqarah. Ali Imran, Nisa, Ma'idah, and Am. Okay. So that was a long tahajjud. A long tahajjud. Sayyid Aisha said, Qama Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa alayhi wa sallam bi ayatim min al-Qur'ani laylatun. And now what else did the Prophet did? One night, 
he prayed with one ayah of Quran. So sometimes he prayed with one ayah, sometimes he prayed with al-Baqarah. That's why they're called nawafil, it's flexible. Okay. So do Malikis begin Fard Salah with Basmala and Fatiha, or do they say Subhanakallahu Alhamdulillah? No, we begin with Allahu Akbar, straight, Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen, not even Basmala. Basmala is not part of the Fatiha. According to Malik, it is a fossil between the surahs. And the only time there's that Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim is in the Qur'an, is in surat, uh, is in the word of Sulaiman in Surah Al-Naml. وَإِنَّهُ مِن سُلَيْمَانَ وَإِنَّهُ بِسْمِ اللَّهِ الرَّحْمَنِ الرَّحِيمِ It's an ayah in that surah from the words of Sayyidina Sulaiman. وَعَنْ أَبِي وَائِلٍ عَنْ عَبْدِ اللَّهِ قَالَ صليت ليلة مع رسول الله صلى الله عليه وآله وسلم فلم يزل قائما حتى هممت بأمر سوء He prayed so long until I had a bad idea came into my head to leave وما هممت به He said هممت أن أقعد وأدع النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم I, I thought of sitting down and leaving the Prophet peace be upon does he mean leaving the prayer or sitting in the prayer? He doesn't, it's not really clear here. Can you sit, pray sitting down? Yes, but you have half the reward. Okay? You can pray sitting down, but you have half the reward. Is there any surahs you should recite? Uh, surah Al-Sajda and Surah Al-Insan, the sunnah for that, uh, for M who's asking that question, is that is the sunnah for Salat al-Fajr on Friday morning. As-sajda wal-insan. Surat al-Fajr on Friday morning. Okay. What is the name of the salawat at the end of Wurd al-Latif? I don't think it has a name. But some people call it Sayyid al-Salawat. Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammad miftah bab rahmatillah adad ma fi ilmillah salatan wa salaman da'imayn bidawami mulkillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam. كان يصلي جالسا. He used to pray. Prophet said he used to pray sitting down. فيقرأ وهو جالس. Recite while sitting. فإذا بقي من قراءته قدر ما يكون ثلاثين أو أربعين آية قام. فقرأ وهو قائم. Then he would recite the end of the surah or whatever he was reciting, standing up. So you can open your tahajjud. You can pray sitting down for a while, and then get up. Right, right before the quah so that you do the rest of the ruku'a standing and you get some of the ajr of standing okay so that's so you can stand and sit in the prayer and change your position in the uh, tahajjud in the nafila unless you commit and you, make, you purposely make the intention that I'm going to pray these two rakahs standing then you can't sit but if you have no intention you may sit during the nafila and you may lean during the nafila you could you could lean, right? This is all permitted. In the faridah, you cannot lean. Your salah is invalid if you lean to the degree that you would fall if the item leaned upon was removed. And if you would not fall, then it's makru. That's in the faridah. Okay. Sayyidah Aisha narrated, كَانَ يُصَلِّي لَيْلًا طَوِيلًا قَائِمًا وَلَيْلًا طَوِيلًا قَائِدًا He would pray a long tahajjud standing, at a long tahajjud sitting. Okay? 
فإذا قرأ وهو قائم ركع وسجد وهو قائم وإذا قرأ وهو جالس ركع وسجد وهو جالس So sometimes he prayed the entire prayer including the ruku'ah sitting So he didn't get up sometimes وعن حفصة زوج النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم and that is bint Umar She asks she, she says the messenger peace be upon him used to pray في سبحته قاعدا ويقرأ بالسورة ويرتلها حتى تكون أطول من أطول منها. He used to pray long prayers all sitting down. Okay. If we are done with dhikr and salah for the day, is it okay to we listen to some music? If it is voice, yes, by voice. There is no haraj amongst the ulama, there is no prohibition on singing with the voice provided that the language and the message in it is sounds if it is the drum okay maybe because the madhabs have room for the drum Maliki madhab's strongest opinion is that the drum is only for weddings and it's the open duff and the most other madhab have that any percussion is halal at all times and there is very little and weak permissibilities of wind instruments and very little to no permissibility well definitely for the mashhur of the madhabs on the string instruments the mashhur of all the madhabs prohibits forbids the wind instrument with the exception of there is a strong statement that the ba'adawis use in hadramaut regarding the wind instrument Right, the, the, the percussion permitted all the time likewise the wind instrument permitted all the time and then the prohibition on the string where do we get this? from the Prophet ﷺ forbidding all instruments in one shot then giving an exception to the percussion then with his actions but not his words an exception for the wind instrument and what are his actions not his words is that they suggested to him the wind instrument for the, the adhan to blow the horn for the adhan al-buq and he did not forbid it he did not say no this is haram and that he passed by a boy playing the flute okay and he closed his ears because he was reciting something but he did not say it's haram they took from that karahiya discouragement others replied to that they said no because how do you know the prohibition of instrument didn't come after those two incidents okay and others give a hujjah that the wind instrument was played amongst the salaf and the, even the sahaba and Allah knows best about that but I have to tell you okay, that none of the dominant opinions of any of the madhabs allow for the wind instrument except for that one strand of some of the shafi'iyah of Yemen who hold that the Madikis, yes it's in the books but it's not their dominant opinion it is a sawi mentions it like he mentions that some said that the wind is, is, is just makru. Okay. So, just for you. Why do I say that? Because if someone is a listener to music, it would make sense for them to go down in gradation. So eliminate the string first. And so on and so forth. Noah says, what about brass instruments? It's percussion. And synth. Um, does that fall into the same category as synth? The piano is debated. Is it a percussion or string? 
Okay. So, yeah, there are those debates. And uh, the piano, is it a string or is it a percussion? Because we are hitting something. It's, it's, you're hitting strings. So it is, it's like trans-string <laughs> instrument, right? Uh, it's like a mix between it. You can debate it on both sides. Okay. But I will tell you that uh, the heart is clearer when these instruments are avoided, and it is the way of the awliya Allah, and it is the way of the fuqaha. Uh, so, and it is the, the safe, you have no issues with that, and the um, synthetic instrument is something that follows the uh, ruling of what it sounds like. Okay, and Allah knows best. Virtual instruments uh, with software, same thing. It's just it, it's what it sounds like. Okay, it goes by what it sounds like. So that's the little discussion on on musical instruments that we follow. And I like to, personally speaking, and definitely what we teach, and what we should aim for is that which rests on the strongest foundation. You don't want to be found blameworthy by any of the four methods. Their dominant opinion, not their weaker ones. At the end of his life, the Prophet's most of his nafila was sitting down. Okay. We only have two more hadiths. Sallaytu ma Rasulillah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says Ibn Umar rak'ataini qabla dhuhr He prayed two rak'ahs before dhuhr Wa rak'ataini ba'da Two after Wa rak'atain ba'da al-maghrib Two after In his house he did that And two rak'ahs after Isha in his house Wa an hafsa Anna Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa alayhi wa sallam Kani yusalli rak'ataini Hina yatla'u al-fajr Two rak'ahs before fajr Very light Ayyub said they were very light rak'ahs Aisha says in Watta, no fatah. Hafithum uh, sorry, no surah after fatah. Hafithum Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, thamani rak'at, eight rak'ahs, says Ibn Umar, two before Dhuhr, two after Dhuhr, two after Maghrib, two after Aisha. Okay. Add the four before Dhuhr, and that's your twelve. سألت عائشة رضي الله عنها صلاة رسول الله صلى الله عليه وآله وسلم قالت كان يصلي قبل الظهر ركعتين before ظهر two after ظهر two after مغرب two after عشاء two before فج two so that is eight rakas throughout the day they didn't put the four before uh, sorry wait a second that is ten rakas because right, they said two before ظهر not four other narrations will say four and here سألنا عليا كرم الله وجهه عن صلاة رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم من النهار. We asked Sayyidina Ali about the prayer of the Prophet in the day. قال إنكم لا تطيقون ذلك. You can't fulfill it. You won't be able to do what he did. قال فقلنا من أطاق ذلك من صلى. Whoever can can. But tell us. كان إذا كانت الشمس منها هنا كهيئة ما ها هنا. عند العصر صلى ركعتين two rakas okay and then two before dhuhr uh, sorry four before dhuhr so two rakas there uh, 
four before the hur, four after the hur, four before asr. Okay. Between every two rakas, two t- a taslim. Okay. Taslim ala al malaika wal muqarrabin wal nabiyin min wa man tabi'ahum min al mu'minin wal muslimin. Okay. So here he gives. Uh, let's see. I want to see why they translated this one here. 270. Uno segundo. He says, So, Duha time, two rakas. Then four before Dhuhr, four after Dhuhr, four before Asr. That's what Sayyidina Ali said. So the first that he was talking about was Duha. Which is, he said, like where the sun is at Asr time, but in the day, in the morning, which is Duha time. And in between the four rakas, he would sit and he would send salah upon the malaika al-muqarrabin and the anbiya and the mu'mineen. Okay? So this is a special salah, and they do it in tarim, by the way. Allahumma, they do it, they like, they do things in tarim, in Dar Mustafa, and you're like, I never heard this before. Then you, one day, after like five years, you'll see it in a hadith. Right? Allahumma salli. I was reading, sitting actually with Abdul Karim Yahya one time. And he mentioned, he heard this salah and he thought that like they authored it or something. Then he found it in a hadith. Right? Allahumma salli ala al-malaikati al-muqarrabin wal-nabiyin wa man tabi'ahum min al-mu'mineen wal-muslimin. That's a hadith. We end the chapter there. Subhanakallahumma bihamdik nashadu la ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk. Let's take questions for about 20 minutes today. Mustafa Beg. What are some du'as the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said at tahajjud? It's between you and Allah ta'ala. But do not forget the ummah of the Prophet, peace be upon him, your parents and everyone who has a right over you. And do not forget your akhirah before your dunya. Zayl Aql is here from Malaysia, mashallah. If we are done with dhikr and salah, we answer this question. Typhoon says, in Tarawih, in Turkish mosques, there is a salawat recited as a group. Yes, it's, it's known that they do this. Yeah. It doesn't require an evidence, really. It's uh, permissible, permitted to do any adhkar like that. Adam says, is, because dhikr is a general command. Dua is general command. Salah is a restricted command. Pray as you see me pray. There's no prayer. Do dhikr as you see me do dhikr. Make dua as you see me make dua. No. Udhkurullah dhikran kathira. Open-ended. Ud'uni astajiblakum. Open-ended. Bernie Sanders says, is it permissible to listen to educational media that have background music if the intention is pure, purely to learn? Inshallah, there is room for that. If you are learning something and let's say the video has some background that you cannot avoid and it's a source of learning that you benefit from, inshallah, because there is some forgivability to this because the ear is something you can never control. You go to Trader Joe's, they got some music. You go to ShopRite, they got some music going. You go outside in the street, you're going to hear. In the old days, it wasn't like this, right? In the old days... To get someone to make good music, first of all, they had to have practice. They have to be alive, right? And the musical instruments, the people who did that, 
uh, it was something that was done uh, like in, in certain houses. They also probably drank in those homes, right? Is wudu invalidated by touching your private parts? In the Madhika Madhab, yes, with the inside or the side of your hand. If it touches directly your member, skin to skin, you have lost your wudu. For men, yeah. For women, it does not. And if you have a sixth finger that feels, that too. <laughs> a sixth pinky or something. What? The private part, given it's connected to, to the person. As opposed to, it's cut off? No, 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 like say, like, someone's like, uh, like say, like, they're taking care of their dad. And, like, his oh, own. his own, you mean? Yeah, yeah own. if it's your own. Uh, if, you're, if you're cleaning a baby, for example, then that does not break your wudu. Your own. Because it's meant to discourage a man from constantly touching himself. If you touch yourself with a hand, if, like, your clothes is there, then it does not break your wudu. Can we pray nawafil in jama'ah? Not in the Maliki Madhab, except tarawih and certain other sunan. There wouldn't be nawafil, there's sunan mu'akkada, such as salat, um, al-khusuf, al-kusuf, al-istisqa, eclipse, solar, lunar eclipse, and rain, and eid, and tarawih. Those sunan mu'akkada are in a jama'ah. Otherwise, for nawafil, the shafi'i allow that, but the malikiyah do not. Why? Because salat, if a prayer did not exist in the time of the Prophet, it is not a prayer. Full stop. Support this operation that we are running here by going to patreon.com backslash Safina Society. That's how you're going to support it and that's how we're going to keep it going. Essence says, where can we send questions? You can send questions right here. This uh, stream is now available on Spotify. Okay, It is now available for you to hear on Spotify at the Safina Society account there. Nothing but facts available on Spotify alongside with all of the old podcasts that we ran. We also, uh, if you are in the New Jersey area, the grand opening event for Dar al-Fat, and look at that gorgeous blue flyer with Alhamra on it, uh, is September 9th. If you are in the Jersey area, you're in New, New York area, you want to come down, we're going to have some special guests, and it'll be at the New Brunswick Islamic Center. All right, so that you can uh, come and see what we have planned for the courses, uh, where uh, registration is now open at darulfatah.org. Safina Society Theological College. Okay, it's going to be something very specific, uh, something very special, inshallah ta'ala. As said, what is the ruling on wearing a kufi in salah? It's not a sunnah or anything specific to wear a kufi in salah, is it? Have you even come across it? Has it not, it's not listed as any of our sunan or even fala'il to cover your head in salah. Desi masjid, you better cover your head or you're going to lose your head. Right. Typhoon Sarai in Tarawih, in Turkish mosque, there is salawat recited, we answered this. Is Az Orion here? Say aye aye, Captain. Yes, the, uh, Ryan is here. Haz is not here. Prince Matthew, can we pray enough in Njamal? We answered that. Is Wudu invalidated by touching yourself? We answered that. Okay, become a member and a patron to show your support of this mission that we're on. Your membership allows Safina Crew to offer the live stream. 
how do you think these brothers are coming here and taking their time out and working part-time and full-time and all these things? Uh, it's going to happen through the community. The com- if we're benefiting the community, the community will respond and make it. It's not, not only do we have to make it happen, we got to pay bills. We have to make it, make it worth people's time and compete with the other jobs they could be getting. If I have a guy here working on the Another Facts live stream, and he's got bills to pay, he's going to compare, right? I could be spending eight hours here a day. I could also go spend eight hours somewhere else and make more money, and my wife will be happier, and my kids will have their college paid for and dowries paid, right? And the electric company is not going to be on my rear end, and I can hire someone to mow my lawn. It's not just about covering. It's about covering and competing. So this, uh, this uh, element of Safina society is all based on the community. It's a challenge to ourselves. If we're good, the community will answer right, and make it happen. If I keep Muju, says Turkish one, unbroken for multiple prayers, is that okay? Yes, it's okay. Salafis say a woman must only expose her eyes and hands, and some of them said one eye only. Yeah, you never come out that fatwa. One-eyed woman. Uh, the well, the niqab is fard in the Hanbali and Shafi'i madhab. Where they got the one eye, Allah Adam, where they got that, I guess she has to see. Uh, she's allowed to see, I guess, but uh, only one eye, so she's got to look around like that. Uh, is that a ruling in the Shafi'i and Hanbali madhabs? I don't know. Allah Adam, I don't want to be making fun of a ruling. I mean, it does sound odd, right? In the Hanafi and Maliki madhab. The niqab, the, to cover her face is not part of the hijab, but it could become obligatory if there's fitna. Okay. Is there a difference between qiyam al-layl and tahajjud? The answer is yes. Qiyam is before sleeping, tahajjud is after sleeping. How do you react when a liberal woman accuses you of having a dirty eye when you kindly advise her to also cover herself, be mindful of herself? There is no, no winning when somebody accuses you of something and you don't share the same morals, uh, uh, source as them, right? There's no winning such an argument. Okay. Tahira says, can you elaborate on Hizb al-Bahr? The Sharh of Hizb al-Bahr is actually part of the Dar al-Fatah curriculum. First, we're going to do Qawad al-Tasawwuf. We're going to finish Habib Omar's book on Tasawwuf. Then we're going to do Qawad al-Tasawwuf by Sidi Ahmed al-Zarruq. And then Sidi Ahmed Zarruq has a sharh on Hizb al-Bahr that we'll read from. If you read Qur'an on your phone, do you need wudu? No. You do not need wudu to touch, the, to hold the Qur'an. It's not Qur'an, it's a phone. We don't consider it Qur'an. But you can recite it without wudu. And the Maliki Madhab, the menstruating woman also can recite it without wudu. Uh, on her height. But the Junub cannot recite Qur'an except in ayah here as an evidence or part of a wird. M says, I'm out. Don't forget to sign up for YouTube. Okay, so that you could use the emojis that we have here. The gender bell, the gorilla jinn, Ryan, me. Is there Oz? We need us. We need us. To get the reward of sitting and waiting to pray after Ishraq, is it valid to pray Fajr towards the end? Yes, but it will not be the same reward, of course. Uh, first of all, Fajr is better to be prayed closer to the end 
when it's clear that Fajr is in, but not so close to the end that you would miss, that you could miss Salat al-Fajr. So Fajr is one of the prayers that to pray it when it is clear that the time is in to remove all doubts is better. How do you wake up for tahajjud? By sleeping early and setting your alarm and making the intention and making istighfar for your sins of the day. Please tell me what to recite for the best chances of ijabat al-du'a. Caitlin is asking, recite la ilaha illa anta subhanak inni kuntu min al as much as you can and in your prayers. Is there a difference between qiyam? We answered this. How does one predict fajr on an airplane? Number one, sometimes you can, they will tell you where you are right now, this is the time. So they will say, let's say you're flying over the city of Geneva. It'll tell you, it'll tell you that. And the time in Geneva is such and such. You can go onto an app and see when is Fedger in Geneva, the window, and pray in that time. You're not, because you're not flying, you're flying over a city at any given time or around a city that's well known at any given time so you can figure out the time. Or you simply look out the window and you look for the sun that light coming above the horizon, and you pray fetch. Muhammad says, I heard someone say that siwak is what is sunnah, and miswak was the ism ala. That is correct. Oral hygiene is the sunnah. The, the, the tool is the miswak. Okay? Al-istiyak, cleaning the teeth, is the general meaning of cleaning of the teeth. The miswak is a tool. If you were to clean your teeth, let's say, uh, by brushing your teeth, you fulfilled that sunnah. Okay? But if you have used the tool that the Prophet used, you fulfilled another sunnah. T- to make that clear. We, we learned in Rasul Tarafat that um, with the actions of the Prophet if it's not related to ibadah, uh-huh. it would be mubah, like just merely permissible. Yeah. But you get, the reward is for it. Emulating the Prophet. Yeah. So, so the the things that are part of the daily life of the Prophet that was not an act of worship, our reward in it is is the love of the Prophet and the emulation of the Messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam, rather than this that, because it's not an act of ibadah per se. It's an emulation of anything that, for example, sitting on the floor, eating with your hand, using that branch to clean your teeth as opposed to a toothbrush. The clothes that type of clothes that we wear, we know what's fard for us to cover our aura in loose and uh, non-transparent clothes. But to wear the flowing clothes of that is close to what the Arabs wore. Those types of things, right? we would do not consider them sunan if the Prophet did not spe- specify them, but we do consider the general emulation of the Messenger to be a fadila. And it's something that all of the ulama have done in the past and have upheld. Can you go over some etiquettes of dua during tahajjud for higher chances of acceptance? Have some istighfar. Proceed with some istighfar. Proceed with salah on the Prophet ﷺ. Begin by, by praising Allah's generosity. Praise Allah for His generosity. It will open your own heart because the belief in Allah's generosity will start entering your head. Praise Allah for the past generosity He had with you. It will really start to... To, to, to open your heart that he will answer you. Make du'a for yourself, for your deen first, because that's what Allah loves. Deen and akhirah. Why does Allah love it? Because it's most beneficial. He hates this dunya. Allah, there's hadiths about this. And Allah loathes this dunya. Okay? It is called dunya for a reason. Then you may ask for your needs of this dunya. 
you don't say I, I'm asking for the dunya, I'm asking for my needs and certain things in myself that I want to be fulfilled. Okay. And then you ask for others. Do not forget others. Your parents, their deen, their akhirah, etc. Others. And then you close with salah on the Prophet Do we get a reward by attending online halakas? The answer is yes. You also get a reward for watching YouTube. Whatever you listen to, whatever you expose to, you, you're, you will get rewarded for that. I thought the Prophet always had his head covered, so isn't it a strong sunnah? He, may, he had his head covered a lot of times, but and the imama is mentioned as a fadila to wear. It's mentioned in like 10 hadiths. What about a woman who wears leggings and a short dress on top of that? So the part of the short dress is covered, but beyond that is not covered. It's not coverage. Right? Because leg, uh, coverage in the definition is something loose, not form-fitting, and not transparent. That's the definition of covered. Or those are the, the conditions of covered. What's the difference between a maqam and a hal? A hal is a state that you, co- you come into and out of, and a maqam is a state that you're always in. I think in one of the podcasts Typhoon said from years ago, they said there are three types of dreams. One is from Allah, one is from your nafs, and one is from shaitan. Uh, let me just give you one piece of information about that. The dreams from shaitan, you wake up scared. The dream from your nafs is some thoughts that you had. You should be able to identify that. If a bad thing happened, you may dream of it over and over and over. That's because your, your mind is occupied by it. If you love something so much, you see it in your dreams. Because it's your mind's occupied by it. However, the divine dream from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to separate itself from your ideas comes in the form of symbols. You may not understand what they mean, but a good dream interpreter can interpret it for you. So, Corey says, so none of the sunnah, sunnah prayers attached to the five prayers should be prayed in the masjid? No, they can be prayed in the masjid. The rawatib, they're called. The rawatib. The nawafil attached to the five prayers. They can be prayed in the masjid. Okay, Jay Perez, he confirms that niqab is obligatory in the Hamid method, but where is the one eye coming from? Right, that she can only show one eye. Where is that coming from? Typhoon says, well, the book is technically also not the Qur'an. It is a mushaf. Yes, the mushaf cannot be touched. The mushaf cannot be touched uh, without wudu. Nor a juz of the Qur'an can be touched without wudu. Should we in bother to enjoin forbid wrong and enjoin good towards people who are not Muslim or liberals? There's no point. Because what's most important is the reason, the justification for why you would alter your behavior and the belief in the source of altering your behavior. If they don't accept either of those two, then what's the point of talking to them? Should we marry outside of our culture? You could if you're in love with the person, but the, it's so much easier in life and marriage to marry someone that you have all the extra things are in common. It just removes 
chances of miscommunication or, or things like that. In every salah in a Turk in Turkish mosque, they recite Allahumma anta salamu minka salam. After the salah, is that a sunnah? The answer is, it is a sunnah to say yes. It is not necessarily a sunnah for the imam to say it out loud, but it is a sunnah in general to have some dhikr out loud after the salah. Because that did happen in the time of the Prophet ﷺ, in general, and that is one of the athqat of the Prophet ﷺ. So that's the basis. Is it allowed to mix between Ash'ari and Maturi Aqidah? Inshallah, there's no harm in that. It's not maybe not the common approach, but inshallah, should not be any harm in that. Hamza Azizi says, I read a Maturi ruling that Jummah is void in Dar al Kufr. Well, that's a big discussion. But I get it's important socially and legally. Uh, I follow the Shafi'i ruling on Jummah, to be honest with you, because otherwise in the other three madhabs, your Jummahs would not even be valid. Typhoon says, since yesterday I asked about the Murid and the Murshid, uh, do you take... No, I personally do not do that, but I can give you some of the athkar of Habib Omar and the Awrad and get you going on that. As a practice, like a preparatory. Ibrahim Khan, Sheikh, should we... Wait, we asked that question. Can you explain Mulk Malakut Jabarut Lahut? Mulk is of this word. Then there's Malakut is of the heavenly word. Then there's Jabarut and Lahut. They are also from the unseen realms. These are the names of realms. Winter is coming. It's regularly negative 20 and negative 40. Outdoors, camping or trapping. I guess he's trying to trap to, uh, to get food. So I also sleep outside. How do I make wudu? If it is a permissible journey that you go on and you end up in such a situation, then if it is, you will get sick from making wudu, you can make tayammum. And that is actually a common thing in certain mountainous regions where the temperature is so cold, wudu would actually become... Uh, you you would get sick from wudu. They make tayammum. Where else? Uh, you know the author of the Butlaihiyah, Muhammad al-Nabigha? He went and he moved to an area called Al-Qibla. Al-Qibla is an area in Mauritania. He got there and he found everyone making tayammum when there's water, plenty of water. And he said, he went to the shiuch. He said, what is this munkar? Making tayammum when there's no reason to make tayammum. The Shaykh said to him, come to me after three days. After, uh, come to me after one month and ask me about that. He came to him after one month. He said, what do you say about this? He said, I authored a fatwa, right? The prohibition of making wudu in this area, right? So the answer was that they're all farmers there. The nature of the soil, the way it was, that the way it cakes on your hand, he said, requires so much water just to get the caked soil from the farming off your hand, let alone making wudu, will cause a water shortage. Right? So he not only did he now understand why they make tayammum for salah, despite that they have water, but he actually forbade wudu with water. Obligated tayammum. Because in that area, the way that the dirt, the dirt would cake on their hands... Okay, would require them to use so much water that they would run out of water. In the same vein, if you're on a boat and 
you, you, you could run out of water by making wudu, you, you don't make wudu. You use that, you save that water for drinking. Same analogy there. Okay. Are non-mahrams allowed to be in photos together for school, work, club purposes? They, they're not allowed to be... What isn't forbidden between the genders is a situation. The gathering situation in which it would be easy for you to gaze upon the opposite gender, then that is called and that is considered a mixed gathering and it is discouraged. If not, it, can, it would be for, it prohibited as well if it is in a situation where you cannot lower your gaze. Touching, of course, is the prohibition, and talking of what has no value is the prohibition. Uh, not uh, no value, no reason. And khalwa is the prohibition. The talking part, anytime that there's um, like uh, relativity and subjectivity, sometimes it's deemed, they use the word makru, because there's, it's subjective. I once heard a scholar say, when... Uh, that he knew someone who became Muslim as they saw Muslims sitting on the floor and eating and humbleness stunned him, right? Yeah. Humility, humility is a beautiful thing. Let's see what else we got here. Sen, uh, uh, Jean says, is farjad an Arabic name? Now, I've never heard that word before. Sounds farhad, you mean? I've, I've never heard that. Farhan is an Arabic name. It means happy. Sansan Madik says, if you wake up for tahajjud to make a specific dua, is it a sign that Allah wants to grant you the thing? Inshallah ta'ala be optimistic. And either way, with it or without it, believe that Allah will answer you by the command of the Prophet. Tahir Omar says, Tahir gets two answers this time. Okay? Uh, Sheikh, should the public keep quiet when Muslim governments are going against the rulings of Islam? Uh... I believe that that's the default of all the governments in the world today. None of them, you could say, would make, would be, you know, make a faqih proud, I don't think. So whether you speak at it or not, it's understood that they're not going to be exact reflections of truth and sunnah and sharia. How many duruds should a person make? We should shoot for 300 for beginners. A thousand if you're not a beginner. That is the Da'bil ulama. It's the way of ulama, and it's written in many books that they all used to do this, and it started with Abdullah bin Mas'ud. How do we get reward, or do we get reward for reading Sirah? Of course you do, 100%. It's a way of being with somebody that you can't be with. We're told to have good companionship. The way to be with somebody that you can't physically be with is by reading their biography. Did you answer my question about ishtihadi difference in hadith and the statement of a scholar being a hujjah? Please uh, uh, always retype it if I can't find it. I'm going to scroll up, which I promise never to scroll up, but I'm going to scroll up a little bit just to see if I saw it. No, I didn't see it here, so please retype it. Okay, or just copy and paste it down there so that I could see your question. Fictional says, this is Suhaib, of course, who should lead the Salah? The one with the full beard who knows less Qur'an or the one who knows more Qur'an and has no beard? Of course, the one who has more Qur'an. 
because having no beard is acceptable in the Shafi method. He's not a fasiq in the Shafi method. If I'm not mistaken, that they did state that it is a sunnah for them. So therefore, is he a fasiq? No, he's not a fasiq. Is praying Jumar or Tarawih virtually? La. No. 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 Not in any way, shape, or form. If so, if no, then why are multiple microphones? There's a big difference. Because the lines are connected in one jama'ah. Using, just because they use mukabbirat as-sawt, or mics, they call them, right? The lines are connected. It's one jama'ah. Virtual salah, by live streaming, there's walls and homes and streets and townships in between. So the jama'ah must be connected. Okay? Is long hair sunnah for men? Again, it's one of, it's, we would not say sunnah, but it's emulating the Prophet if you had hair to the shoulder. And it's one of the things that Imam al-Haddad said that he had done all the sunan except for one. In the hadith books that he read, he said, I read every book of hadith that is present in Yemen. And I acted upon everything in those, in those books at least once, except growing the hair long. So he said he, to do, he will do that. Uh, and he did. All right? Always says, it was one of the first questions. No, I, uh, I didn't see it. Can you post it again? It's easier for you to post it again because I don't see all the questions here if the thing freezes on me. All right, what should we do about it? Shihadi differences in hadith authenticity. Which scholar should we follow? We don't worry about the authenticity. We, we follow the, the madhab anyway. So whatever the conclusions of the scholars of the madhab is, that's our conclusion. If it's a story that the fuqaha did not follow, then it's harmless. For example, a story or a fadila. Right? Let's say the, 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 what the brothers got uh, upset about, which was anadaru ila wajhi Ali in ibadah. To look at the face of Ali's ibadah. A siyuti, a tabarani, they included it in their books. Ibn Hajar says it's a fabrication. Is there an impact? There's no action based upon it, right? So whichever one you go with, you're, you're harming nobody, right? There's no, no harm, no foul. But if it's a fiqhi or an aqadi in fiqh and aqidah, then you will, we won't grade that hadith. We, will, we are muqallids. And we will follow what the, the jumhur or the dominant opinion of the madhab is on that matter. Is the statement of a reputable Sunni scholar on a topic a hujjah? Not necessarily. Not at all. Not necessarily. Not necessarily. All right, a couple more questions before we wrap up. Tawseef, Entertainment ad Deen says, if you aren't happy with the outcome of a dua that you made during tahajjud, can you make dua again? Yes, you can, because the outcome may be for that time. Right? So, I want to try to do something, I failed. You failed that time. It does not necessarily mean Allah never wants you to do it. Jay Perez says, I'd never heard in the Hanbali Madhab the one-eyed thing. What's the most Islamic way to cut a Muslim brother off who you don't want to have contact with anymore? 
You should try to do those things gently with people. Gently. Unless they're like clearly harming or they're fasiqeen, then you could just tell them directly. But if they are, if he's just someone you're not comfortable with, you should try to do it in a way that they don't, they don't feel it. Okay. Away says, if a group of scholars say this hadith is sahih and others weaken it, then what do we do? If it's not, it's either going to be one of two things. If, the, if it's an actionable hadith, that means there is aqidah or fiqh involved, then we don't have to worry about that hadith. We will go by the madhab, Hanafi, Maliki, Shafi, or Hanbali. Aqid, Ash'ari, Maturidi, Hanbali. You'll go with the jumhur on that. Or the dominant opinion, I should say. If it is not an actionable hadith, such as a story, then there, I don't believe that there's any harm, whichever way that, whichever group you believe. There's no harm. If there's two dominant, strong groups of Muslims, that, of scholars, I mean, some uphold a story, some say the story is a fabrication. There's no harm. Okay? If there are two massive groups, not, right? Like many scholars on one side, many scholars on the other side. Yes, Ahmed. Yes, if there's many scholars who hold it to be, let's say, da'if. It's just da'if hadith. Others say it's a fabrication. If they're, they're split like that, and it's not clear what is true and what is false. Right? In that such a case, you can fr- transmit that. And you can always transmit a weak hadith without saying it's weak. Says Imam al-Nawi in uh, his major work uh, on hadith. How, can you, how do you classify a layman versus a student of knowledge? A, this, this is a good question. A student of knowledge has, number one, uh, start be assessed sources of knowledge. That's what a student does. What is the correct source of knowledge? Who is most worthy to follow? The ijtihad of the layman is to assess who is most worthy to follow. And then to understand the curriculum of that menhaj that he's following. Whether that's a sheikh or a madhab. And then to begin studying it, even if it's 20 minutes a week, you're a talibin. So that's what separates between a student of knowledge and a common Muslim. What, can you tell us the name of the book you recommended by Habib Omar? Well, it's called The Essence of Tasawwuf. What is it called? Do you have it? Mahiyatu Tasawwuf, or The Essence of Tasawwuf and the Signs of Its People. Yeah, what is uh, what is Sufism or what is Tasawwuf? Okay, uh, does Tahajjud make your face appear brighter? Many have said that, yes. It, it lightens up, it, it gives a light, a, a vibrancy and a nur. Can you elaborate the statement of a scholar is not a hujjah if it, contra- if it contradicts the, the, the mashhur of the madhab? Read, read it if, you, if it comes upon, if you have that section. Okay, I'll just read. Uh, it was an ishtihad, I think. I think it was an ishtihad. So we have here it says, The saying of a single companion is not an ahudja over others, according mm-hmm. to the new opinion. Um, there is the, a general statement among the ulama of usul on the point that the ruling of one companion is not a binding proof over another. Mm-hmm. The companions were themselves allowed to disagree with one another in matters of ijtihad, so if the ruling of one companion was a proof over the other, then disagreement among them would not have been tolerated. 
The saying of a companion can be divided into three categories. The first is if the companion, so that, I mean, if it's a, if a sahaba, if the saying of a sahaba is not a hujjah. Yeah. The straight saying of a Sahabi is not a hujjah. The statement of, uh, okay, the... I'll, I'll continue reading. Continue, yeah. This is from before, earlier in the paragraphs. It says, consensus is a binding proof for the following generation and for every generation. The relevant authority of consensus is not conditional, conditional upon the passing of the generation in which it was reached. If we made a, a conditional on the passing of the generation... One would take into consideration a statement of someone who was born during their lifetime and studied fiqh, became one of the people of Ijtihad, and the hukum could then be revoked. Valid consensus can be established by the scholars' words or by their actions or by the words or actions of only some of them. If those mm -hmm. words or actions are disseminated, others remain silent about them. What's the book? Uh, camera. This is uh, Warakat's. Show me. Oh, just the warakat without the the commentary. There's there's a commentary. On there. Let's see. All right. Thank you. What is, what's up with this camera? It's not cold. It's not hot. All right. We're wrapping up here anyway. Uh, there's a lot of questions here that we can't take unfortunately because of time. Ekumazi. Uh, all right, so we'll try to get to these questions. Unfortunately, we are unable uh, to take all of these questions right now. We miss a lot at the end, unfortunately. Um, all right. Uh, if you have a murshid who guides you in spiritual matters, does he have to be on the same madhab as you in fiqh? No, of course not. Okay. What's the difference between a fasiq and a munaf? A fasiq is somebody who is A, either on a heretical belief... That's a bid'ah, or a public sinner, someone who sins unabashedly and publicly. Those are the that's the, te the term for a fasiq, and of course, the one on a heretical belief is is worse. The studying online, for example, listening to lectures, is it uh, or seekers' guidance make you a student of knowledge? Yes, uh, but you should also have connection, some kind of connection with a living teacher to make sure you understood correctly to have discussion, right? to be able to talk. And a video is maqam al-kitab. A video is like a book. If you can benefit from it, you can benefit from it. All right. uh, please expand on the statement about Jum'ah. Alright, we'll, we'll cover that another time because it's a bit long-winded. Lily says, if one receives a marriage proposal, what's the best way to really handle that? Are we accountable for that on the Day of Judgment? If you receive a, hand it over to your wali, right? And let your wali handle it if you don't want to handle it, but you should handle it. There are some rules to this, right? Or some parameters. You should not humiliate the person. You say, go around and say, oh, he proposed to me and I rejected him. That, of course, you're going to be sinful for. Because this is a private matter. This is a private discussion. And it's an amana. So he comes to propose or he wants to marry you. That is an amana between you, you all. Any discussion that we have in private is what we call amana. And you're not allowed to disclose that. So that's something that you may be asked about on the Day of Judgment. Can you say, I'm a Muslim, uh, inshallah, or alhamdulillah? Of course you can say you're a Muslim. The question in Aqidah was, can you say, am I a mu'min, a believer? And the answer is, you could say, yes, I'm a believer, inshallah. Muslim says, what are the virtues of visiting the graves of awliya and the seven in Marrakesh? 
the adab there is you go with adab and you can recite something with Islad al-Thawab for them and you make dua for them and everyone in the graveyard. Imam al-Jazuli is there. He went? Also Qadr Iyad is there. He's one of the seven. Alright folks, unfortunately we gotta go. Jazakumullah khairan. Subhan, uh, if someone says, are you a Muslim? Do you say, inshallah or alhamdulillah? No, you say, I'm a Muslim, alhamdulillah. Because that is an objective fact. You took the shahada, so you are a Muslim. Inshallah is for the future. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik. Nashadu an la ilaha illa anta. Nastaghfiruk wa natubu ilayk. Wal asr. Inna al-insana lafi khusr. Illa al-ladhina amanu wa amilu salihat wa tawasu bil-haq. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to accept us uh, and accept this gathering. And Hasib Noor, I just saw him pop up right now. Uh, we ask Allah ta'ala to accept this gathering and give us consistency upon it in giving nasihat to the Ummah of Islam. Uh, and uh, we ask Allah to increase us in beneficial knowledge and to increase us in taqwa and let us all live and die upon the love of the Prophet wasallam with a wara'ah scrupulousness with dua with attachment to masajid with humility tawadu' lillah with ittiba' al-ulama following the ulama and not deviating from their path and of khidmat to the ummah and lastly we ask that Allah make none more beloved to us than his most beloved Sayyid al-Kawnain Sayyidina Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam wassalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh Oh